Several years ago, Jan and Aaron and Kate and I took a vacation to, uh, to Colorado Springs. Jay was in Italy studying and all the money that we had 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 gone with him. So as far as we could get was Colorado Springs. But uh, <laughs> he called us one morning or one day and I said, Jay, where are you? And he said, I'm on the Italian Riviera. And I looked at Jan and I said, we've made a great mistake. <laughs> we have not done something well. That should have been us. <clears throat> we did many wonderful things on that trip. And I think the girls and Jan would remember it very well. But one thing was particularly memorable. We drove up Pikes Peak. Uh, many of us know from history and maybe geography a little about Pikes Peak and that it was named after the explorer Zebulon Pike uh, who never reached the summit. He couldn't get to the top. Pikes Peak is over 14,000 feet above sea level and over 8,000 feet higher than Colorado Springs, which is nearby. And there are several ways to reach the summit. There are several ways to get there. Uh, But I can only discuss one from personal experience because we drove the 19 miles from the base to the summit. There are several words that I can use to describe that trip, but every one of them began with scary and total fear. Those are the, at the top of the list. On one side was the mountain that was looming up, still going up, and that side felt relatively safe. But that other side was just a, it was just a shortfall to, to sure and certain death. No guardrails on, on the roads. Going up, you were on the outside against that possible cliff. And here would come a bus coming down. Or a truck or a car. And, and you just hang on for dear life. It's like, of course, you know, I, I wasn't too scared. I was probably more scared for the girls than I was for myself. <laughs> it was amazingly difficult for me making this trip. And going up and it wasn't much better on the on the way down but along the way all the way up and all the way down there were signs that were specifically designed to make sure that we and all the other drivers could navigate the trip safely signs frequently warnings you know about brakes and about all those kind of things that that could possibly cause a problem or create a hazard There were signs along the way to make sure that we could navigate that trip safely. And we knew, as everybody did, the certain outcome of what would happen if we ignored the signs. So it was imperative that we follow the signs and trust their ability to help us navigate the journey safely. I spoke recently on the question, why as believers... Do we deal with problems, with brokenness, with bitterness, with anger for so long when the answer is so near? Why do we as Christians say, you know, I've had this problem from childhood. I've had this problem since I got married. I've had this problem since some death. I've had this problem. And now we're describing events not that happened a week ago. We're talking about events that happened last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And we have a need and it's still there and still unmet. The message that morning was all of us feel very free about going to the bank, filling out a piece of paper, laying it on the counter, and sliding it across to the teller, and they begin to count out money. 
And we don't have any problem of receiving that money and applying it against the need that we have in our life. Why? Why do I not struggle to receive that money? Because it's mine. I don't have any trouble appropriating that which is mine by this action against the need that's in my life. So one of the conclusions that we come to very quickly is that the reason that we have persistent problems that don't go away is because we've never really taken into account the fact that what God has given us that is ours to use and apply against those needs in this moment. Because we don't believe that it's ours. We will not take possession of what God has so freely given and use it freely to deal with the things in my life today. Why do we live as Christians with persistent problems, bitterness or anger or brokenness when such a provision has already been made? I spoke on that probably three or four weeks ago. For many of us, or maybe I should say most of us, navigating this life seems as perilous as that drive was up Pikes Peak. It's filled with danger. It's filled with drama. It's filled with possible tragedies. And it's filled with this. I know this was mine. Why did I start this in the first place? How did I get myself into this mess? You know, ignorance is not bliss when you're wondering if you're going off the side of this mountain relationships, personal struggles, personal limitations, financial struggles, jobs or the lack of them, all of those create difficulty in the navigation of this journey. And if you're sitting here and and that's not true of you, then I want to talk to you because you're living a tremendously blessed life if you're not ever hitting those stumbling places on this journey and having trouble navigating what's in front of us. So I want us to go to the point of this message this morning. I want us to go, first of all, to Matthew chapter 19. And I'll begin reading in verse 16. I want us to know why we're having trouble navigating this trip. Why is this difficult? The signs are there. The instruction is there to help us navigate this successfully. I want us to look at it in this passage and and a couple of others. Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandment. He saith unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That young man, that rich young ruler that we talk about in this passage, has the same issue, the same challenge that you and I have. The wealthy young man surely believed in God. He had said, I have kept God's commandments from the time that I was a child. He came to Jesus out of some understanding and some hope. And he had some desire to follow Jesus as a disciple. So we know by this witness that he had a belief in God. We know that. But again, this young man lacked what you and I lack. And here, if you're making notes or if you want to grab this mentally, please get this phrase. He believed in a God that he did not trust. 
He believed in a God that he did not trust. You want to know why we have trouble navigating this journey? It's because we believe in a God that bottom line, we don't trust. If you're sitting here this morning and it looks like most of you are, you have affirmed some belief in God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have some belief in God. If you're sitting here as a believer, you have demonstrated some faith in the work of Jesus Christ to save you. But many, if not most of us, believe in a God that we, bottom line, don't trust. Think about that for just a second. What would change in our life if we trusted the God that we believe in? Certainly we acknowledge him, we recognize him, we honor him, we sing in, pra- in praises unto him. We do those things, but w- there's a reality that says, I have a need of, of something in my life. My heart is broken. I have lived separated from this love of God. I'm still struggling over anger or bitterness that happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. What that tells me is in this journey, as we're trying to navigate it, you know, we find those cars parked along the side of this path that are now vacant because the journey got too hard and they couldn't find their way. Well, I want to tell you with all certainty, when we begin to trust the God that we believe in, we won't have a struggle getting those needs met today instead of tomorrow or 20 years from now or 30 years from now. If we will begin to trust the God in whom we believe. So there seems to be this great breakdown between our faith in God that will get me to heaven and my trust in God to get me through this day or the difficulty of it. I I love Graham Cook. And there's about an 18 or 19 minute video that I saw many, many years ago, played several times. And the name of this is The Nature of God. And in this video, he talks about what happens when we finally discover the supremacy, the greatness the dynamic of God himself, that we are worshiping the happiest, most joyful, loving, and kind God that our minds and our hearts can imagine. But when we finally get it, when we finally understand that glory, when we understand that majesty, that supremacy of God, when we find that we are worshiping the happiest, most joyful, loving God possible, then we can't help but be on this earth the happiest, most joyful, free, loving people on the face of the earth. Because we discovered the reality and the supremacy and the majesty of God, not in the splendor out there, but in the magnificence right here. Then I can begin to trust the God that I believe in. We, by our testimonies, regularly demonstrate that we don't trust even the most basic things of God. I'll pick on this one because it's easy. How often do we pray, God, give me strength. God, give me, give me peace. God, give me joy. What is his answer? Every single time, no. Every time we ask, his answer will be no. Because what would it require for him to honor that prayer we just asked? He would have to come to us, take away the abundance of strength he gave us when we became his child, take it back so that he can give it to us again. 
What are we demonstrating when we pray, God, give me strength? That I don't trust that he gave me strength when I became a child. That he didn't give me that reality of being a son when I became a child of God. We pray even in the simplest ways, acknowledging that we don't trust what God said when he gave us the full provision of himself by the work of the Holy Spirit and that I will never lack for a single thing in the fullness of God, ever. We pray and then we demonstrate this lack of trust in a God because if we got it, I wouldn't be praying, Lord, give me strength. Jay taught me this. I would be praying, Lord, let the strength that you gave me when I became your child, let it rise up in me. Let it start with my feet. Let it rise up in me. Let it come out of the top of my head and let that strength that you have already given me come against that moment of weakness that I just felt. I don't have to wait. Let the joy overcome the bitterness. Let the peace overcome the anger. I don't have to live in the brokenness of a life when I have the reality of God and we will step into that and I promise you we will be the happiest most joyful people on the face of the earth again the breakdown is that we just don't trust him when I was driving I was grateful for every mile that was behind me especially going up I didn't know I thought we drove and drove and drove because you're not going very fast 19 miles up this thing and you know it's, it's in July when we're doing this and when it started snowing then it got worse because now we're on this road with no guardrails going up and it's snowing. So I became very grateful for every mile that was behind me. I was grateful for every car and every truck and every bus that I met that was now behind me. But here's what I learned the most. Next time, take the train. <laughs> Man, take the train. Put my life the driving into someone else's hands and do it in a vehicle that didn't share the path with anyone else and put my trust in something that had the power to get me to the top. What a reality it was as I was thinking about this last night. Why was I struggling going up? Because every ounce of our safety was in my hands. And I learned, next time, take the train. Put my life in someone's hands that is bigger, more powerful, and in their path, there is nothing that can be an obstacle. Take the train. Access that power and live in that beautiful moment when I can trust something that's bigger than me. Trust something that's more powerful than me. Trust something that's wiser than me. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I realized I I had the possibility of trusting someone to do for me what I could only do poorly. I can live this life as a believer, but I will do it poorly. Trust someone who can do it perfectly. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Holy Spirit, but the hands of Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Listen to his journey. Listen to what he's saying. He was on his way up Pike's Peak. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul saying we were in a pretty tough spot. And I hope this morning, if you find yourself there, I'm in a pretty tough spot, that you will listen carefully because the answer is found as Paul describes what they did. 
First of all, he says in verse nine, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. What is he saying? He's saying, if I was going to trust me, there was only one certain outcome. Trusting me would get me one certain outcome and it's under the sentence of death. Cannot trust myself. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from such a great depth and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. You see, there it is. What changed the reality for Paul in that moment from despair? First of all, he knew not to trust himself. But he clearly, clearly says within this passage that we should not trust ourselves, but in God who has the power to raise someone from the dead, who delivers us from such a great death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Each of us must ultimately learn to navigate the journey that's set before us. Sadly, many stumble and we find discarded, those discarded vehicles along the path. Those who finally left with no hope continuing. But here is the good news. Here it is. Go with me to, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's the God we're asked to trust. That's the God that we're asked to put this working, functional reality of trust in place. Not just so that someday I get to heaven. But that trust that says God is big enough to handle my moment right now big enough to handle my day, big enough to handle my difficulty, big enough to handle my despair. God is big enough to handle this moment. Most of us, because of disappointment, have adjusted the reality of God until he's this big. I think it was Jay taught us not too long ago. One of the reasons we do this is because it's easy to ignore a God that's this big. When we finally begin to discover the God being described in this passage in Ephesians, when we finally begin to discover the reality of this God and put our trust and faith in him, not only to save us, but to sustain us each day, we will be the happiest and most joyful of people. If you're not living that happiest, most joyful journey, then you have to decide, am I going to trust a God that I believe in and let him do it? We trust in big things and small, the easy and the difficult in the calm and in the storm, either he's enough or he isn't. It's our choice what we choose to believe. The fact is, he is enough. He's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy of our faith. We trust him and we believe with all our hearts that someday when I die, I'll go to heaven. That's some big accomplishment made possible only by Jesus Christ in the work of the Holy Spirit by the Father's love for us 
if we're trusting that that's true, I believe we can trust that he's big enough to handle my today and the difficulties that it will bring. We don't ever find ourselves without challenges on the journey, but we know who has the power, who knows the way, and who's willing to let us ride in peace as he takes us to the summit. It's an amazing place when you get up there, fearful on the way up and fearful on the way down. But God said, let me take you there. Let me take you to the summit. A place where most Christians never even imagined seeing, seeing the fullness of what God can do. Lord, let this be a blessed afternoon for the women as they gather together in the fellowship hall. And I just speak power and authority. And just this release from Gina this this afternoon with the life-changing words that she has come to share. Let them be life. Let them be freedom to the ones who hear. We just speak blessing over that gathering and pray, Lord, that women will understand fully and without question the very prominent place that they take and the power of your life and the power of this journey. Thank you for them. Speak blessings over this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.